back again. You talked about Course Careers Technology Sales Course and what it did to change my life. Wait, there's more. Not only is it technology sales information technology courses as well, now there's human resources, customer success, UI UX, and did I even mention that there also is software development as well? Front end, back end, and DevOps? Listen, this is something that you definitely want to take advantage of. So go ahead, click that link. Don't forget there's a discount from me if you click that link. And I hope to see you on the other side. Uh-oh, is it a struggle stream today? I don't know. Good morning. Good morning, family. Thank you for tuning in with us today. I am so excited to have this episode here with you. I have Ryan Gomez on, and he is going to be talking about financial planning. He's going to be talking about the tech industry and how he helps tech professionals do that. But before we get involved in the show, let us know where you're tuning in from in the comment section below. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning. Thank you for the, the faithful that always tune in. I do appreciate you always, man. Thank you so much for doing that and tuning in with us. Uh, there's so many other people that are going to be joining in, and so I'm so excited to have y'all rock with us today. This is going to be a very important episode, right? Uh, but we were going to have Kanika Tolber come back, but for personal reasons, she cannot make it today. So, uh, you know, um, we're with you. Of course, looking forward to having you, Kanika, again. But I was able to get Ryan to come on. So, Ryan, hello. How are you doing, man? Good, good. How about you, Joseph? I'm doing well. I cannot complain at all. I just wanted to make sure that uh, we get you in here because I know that you have a busy day. Uh, and so you don't have a lot of time, but I still have to do a couple of housekeeping things. One thing I want to let you know of is that we are going to do a Q&A later today, but the Q&A is not going to be happening on LinkedIn, right? The Q&A like last week is going to actually be happening on YouTube. So what I'm going to need you to do is I want you to go over to the YouTube channel, go ahead and subscribe to youtube.com forward slash at tech niche tips. Again, that's youtube.com forward slash at tech niche tips. Because at a certain point, when it's time for that QA, that exclusive question and answers that you may have, even if you put something in the chat, you're gonna have to go over on that side to be able to hear your questions being answered by Ryan um, or myself. I'm not too sure what questions you may have, but, but whatever that time, when that time does come. It will be the time for us to then transition over to the other side, which is the YouTube side. So go ahead. If you want right now, go ahead, open up another browser. Uh, you can even subscribe so you don't kind of have to find your place at that particular time. You know exactly where to go. Again, it's youtube.com forward slash at tech niche tips. And so I'm back here again. Peace and blessing to you, Scott. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys as always tuning into the show. So without further ado, we're going to get right into this conversation because I want to make sure that we definitely are you know, respectful of Ryan's time. Again, like I mentioned earlier, he has a very busy morning. <laughs> and it is this morning because you're on the West Coast. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm over here. I'm based out of Los Angeles and I'm actually catching a flight um, in not too long, but um, really excited to be on the show today. I'm really excited to chat with you guys. Fantastic. Now let's talk about it uh, before we get into your story. Like, tell us who you are, what do you do currently right now? So the audience can get an idea of who they're listening to. So my name is Ryan Gomez. I'm a financial planner, a certified financial planner. What I do on a day-to-day -day basis is I really help people throughout their financial journey. I specifically help people who work in the tech space, helping them with things like stock options and just figuring out their own financial journey, whether that's 
saving for a down payment, saving for retirement, becoming financially independent at an early age, or just saving for other things like college savings, things along those lines. Nice. And that we we know we need the plan. <laughs> that's that's the truth. We definitely need the plan, especially if people are now moving into the tech industry. They're getting a larger, honestly, a larger sources of income now, multiple streams, maybe depending on what industry they're in. They're getting commissions, checks. All these different things are happening in their lives. And they're like, OK, this is great. Uh, who do I need to go to for this? And now we have somebody that we can talk to named Ryan. So if you are on the YouTube side, there is his information below, just so I don't forget to tell you. You could also not only connect with him on LinkedIn, but you could schedule a, a complimentary chat, right? A complimentary chat uh, where he could basically kind of talk to you, see if you're a good fit, if you're a tech professional, and see if it's something that can be a help for you. And I'm not getting paid for this. I'm not getting compensated. This is just me wanting to just share somebody that can be a resource to you as you're moving in your tech journey. And so with that being said, let's talk about it. So did you always want to work in the financial industry? Was that something that you always wanted to do? So I always, I knew I wanted to do something with money. Growing up, my grandfather, um, he was one of my biggest role models. And mm -hmm. he started out as a janitor, started investing early on. And by the end, he became a multimillionaire. And he didn't work in a white collar industry, right? He was wow. a janitor, owned a janitorial company. Yeah. And just by investing in real estate and stocks, things along those lines, became yeah. a, a multimillionaire. And it's it's just amazing what you could do just by putting some money aside every month. And he took me on amazing trips when I was a kid, things along those lines. I knew I always wanted to do something to do with money. Didn't know exactly what, but um, throughout college, figured out that I wanted to be a financial planner, did a couple of internships, did one at a firm called UBS Wealth Management, where I was just an intern pushing paper, things along those lines, the classic intern task, fixing the copier, all that fun stuff. But I was able to sit in on client meetings where my boss was able to run a client who just got out of med school. He showed him through a situation just on a yellow legal pad on how he could get out of debt, how he could save for his retirement and ultimately retire early. And I saw that client who was in hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, crying tears of joy right there. Wow. It was really amazing. And I, I did some other internships throughout the financial industry. I did one at a, a real estate investment firm. And my job was essentially to price apartments as high as possible, but not keeping them so high that the people leave. That didn't feel like a really good job. It, it felt like I was, mm. um, th there's a lot of jobs like that in the financial industry. And why I like what I do today is because I'm able to make a living helping people achieve their own goals. And I've always been a people person. I've always been interested in money and finances. And this is just a really great piece where I could do both those two items. Yeah. Let me, let me not skip over the fact that you just said that your father, not your father, your grandfather, was able to save up so much money that became a millionaire, taking you on trips and things like that. So that's where you kind of were able to realize the power of savings and the power of being financially fit, being being able to plan your financial future. I, I love that. I love that because that's something that we may have seen our grandparents do, uh, depending on where we're from. And 
and we might have forgotten that. But so you, you just reminded me like, hey, think about those lessons that we may have learned growing up, seeing our parents or even our parents' parents doing and really adopt that for ourselves. So with that being said, you got to college, right? You decided to get into this industry. And like you mentioned, you kind of started off in basically doing something that you didn't really feel comfortable necessarily going forward and doing. And then you pivoted into accounting. I believe that's what would that be, would that be correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Into financial planning. Into financial planning. All right, cool. So financial planning. So what made you decide to go from that area of financial planning to specifically tech professionals? What made you make that decision? So a few different reasons. One is that I have a few family members in the tech world and they've come up to me and said, I have these stock options. I have RSUs, ESPPs, I have NSOs, ISOs, and they all sound like gibberish to most people. So what I was able to do is I was able to, when I was studying for my CFP, there are certain areas that look at stock options, look at things along those lines. And that's really what I became very interested in, not only because of my family members, but being on the West Coast, I'm right near San Francisco where I have a ton of friends and family who work in that area. Even LA has something called a Silicon Beach. It's almost like Silicon Valley, but our version. And there's tons of people I know in that area. And they're just confused. They, they have all this extra income from RSUs and they don't know how it's taxed. And it's a really fun area, fun area of people to work with. They, I just really enjoy the, working with the people in tech in general because they're always up to speed. They know how to work the Zoom meeting, right? A lot of financial planners focus only on retirees. And while that's fun, I really like to work with others who are growing with me as well. It's really fun being able to help a client say for the down payment of a home or who just have kids and want to start saving in 529 for their college, for the kids account, things along those lines. Wow. So, and I like what you just said, growing with your client. So basically you, let's say you find somebody who's in their, their twenties, their thirties, and you're basically saying, Hey, look, let's, let's work together to plan for the future. So with that, with that in mind, what are some of the things, let's say you, let's say you're talking to somebody who's in their thirties, they've been working in tech for about five or so years. What, what are the things that you're coming up to them with and saying, hey, this, these are the things that you need to consider in a general basis when you're looking at your financial future? Got it. Got it. So the, the five areas I work with clients on, number one, goal setting, right? What goals do you have? Do you want to retire early? Do you want to own a home? Are you okay with renting your whole life? Do you need to save for kids college, things along those lines? That's very important when we start out. Number two, I help with tax planning. A lot of people in the tech industry, they have high incomes. And then with stock options or equity compensation, there's a lot of tax implications that can come with that. Mm. In addition to that, if you're in a sales role, like you're, you're an account executive and SDR, those commissions, that taxation on that makes the situation even more complicated. Number three, I help with investment management. That's just making sure your investments are in line for your goals. Number four, I help with estate planning. That's essentially what were to happen if you were to pass away. And the big thing here is that when you have kids, you want to make sure they're taken care of, right? If anything yes. happen to you. And number five is insurance planning. 
this is a small piece for the most part, but right again, if you have kids, you want to make sure they're taken care of. But also, if anything happens to your home, you need to make sure that you're covered if anything happens that is unforeseen. Yeah, absolutely. And so if a financial planner covers all those different things, uh, can you talk about what financial planners are not for people that may have a question about that? And we're gonna, don't worry, guys, we're going to be moving over to the Q&A side. Uh, so if you have any questions here on LinkedIn, go ahead and put in the chat. Um, and also, don't forget to meet us on the other side when we do transition fully to, so you can ask your questions. I'm actually going to put in a link to call in if you want to call in and speak to Ryan as well. Uh, again, I'm going to have some prefaces for it. <laughs> it's not going to be like he can't really be like uh, fix your life right in front of everybody else. And you can't really go into details and get specific options uh, mentioned for you in this particular call. But don't forget, you can book a call with them and have a private conversation. But this is more for your general questions to be answered. So get ready. We're going to be transitioning to the Q&A section a lot sooner than we normally do. So get your questions ready now. But again, going back to that question, can you just in general talk about what financial planners are not? So that people can not assume uh, you do X, Y, and Z, but you can be able to say, no, I don't do that. Yep. So what uh, three things financial planners are not. Most financial planners aren't going to be able to beat the market for you on, a, on an average basis. What we are able to best do is get your goals aligned with how we manage a portfolio for you. But if a financial planner is promising you 100% returns, they're going to double your money every year, I'd, I'd watch out, I'd stay away. Because that's really, they might be able to do that one year, but odds are they're not going to be able to do that every year. That's one thing I definitely watch out for. Number two is that we do tax planning, meaning that we will look out in the future and see how we can keep your taxes as low as possible. But one thing that we do not do for the most part is tax preparation, right? So we could look at your tax mm. return. We could give you some general, some general rules of thumb of how to better situate your tax situation, but you'll want to work with a CPA or an EA to actually prepare your taxes for you. Good. And number three is while we do help with estate planning, that being like I mentioned earlier, what happens if you were to pass away? We're not usually lawyers, so we do not create the estate plan. We'll work with your estate planning attorney in order to make sure everything is in place, but we do not do the actual estate plan on behalf of you. Wow. So, so wow. So we got a, a good insight into that. We know five things that why you want to get it. Nope. Oh, you can't see me. All right. No worries. You can hear me though. <laughs> There's five ways that you would want to basically be able to have uh, an estate plan done uh, or things you want to look at when it, when it comes to estate planning and, and three things that estate plan planners do not do. So then the question is, uh, you know, what's the difference between a CFP, a CPA? What's that? What's that difference there? So people may understand better. So a, a CFP, it's a little more broad. It's so a CFP is a certified financial planner. And a CPA is a certified public accountant. So a CFP, they focus on those five different areas I mentioned earlier. They're more on the goal planning side of things, right? Cool. They'll also do estate planning, investment management, and insurance planning. But a CPA is focused almost solely on tax planning, which is great, but they don't look at the broader picture. They're really focused on lowering your income taxes this year 
and not in the future throughout your whole financial life. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. That sounds good to know. I think it's definitely something that we could definitely dive into more on the Q and a side. So listen, y'all, uh, like I said, he has a trip. I'm trying to be mindful of his time. So right now we're going to be transitioning over to the Q and a side on the YouTube portion of the conversation. So if you have not already go ahead and go to YouTube real quickly there again, that's youtube.com forward slash at techniche tips. You'll see at the bottom, that's youtube.com forward slash at techniche tips. So as we're looking to transition now, go ahead and come over there. Um, but in the meantime, I'm going to show you this message from one of our sponsors. Do you, Hey, do you feel stuck? Do you feel like you're just at the same place in your career and you don't really see a way out? This is a great time for you to take it to the next level. Level careers is a course that I've been talking about for some time from account executive and even sales engineering. There are courses that can help you propel from where you are now to where you want to go. Check out the link below. Use my promo code Joseph 10 and check out the free courses, whether that's the SOC analyst course, the account executive course or the sales engineer course. Take your career to the next level. All right, we're back. We're back. I have Ryan here and we're going to do that Q&A strictly for the YouTube side. So if you were on LinkedIn, hopefully you come on over, but we definitely want to ask some questions. It's more on the general side, so feel free to do so. Also, for those that do want to join us and actually call in, you can call in. Your face won't be shown, but you can definitely call into the show. Uh, let me put it right here for you so you can see. Call in link is right here. So go ahead and you can call in if you have any sort of questions or concerns or go ahead and put it in the chat. We could also answer it that way as well. So you go ahead and put that call in link there for y'all. So if you have any questions, call in and you can use that link to call in and ask any questions. Now the questions, um, let me just preface this again. It can't be specific questions about what you're gonna do. Like, okay, I have this, this, this going on. How do I fix it? No, that's for the personal call with Ryan. Um, you know, that's for that particular call. So definitely go ahead and do it there uh, in regards to any calls that you have and things of that nature. So uh, this is a question here. But hopefully you can answer this one. This is from uh, Teacher Nayabin. Defer between RSUs and ESPPs. I think that's what it is. You want, she wants to know the difference between the two. Yep. So... ESPPs, essentially what that is, is your company, it's typically a, a public company, is they're going to give you the option to buy their company stock at a discount. And it's anywhere from 5% to 15%. And then you could do what you want with it. So say I work for just completely, for example, I work for Apple, right? Let's say these price of the share is $100 per share and they offer a 15% discount. Well, what I could do with an ESPP is essentially buy at $85 per share and then sell it right back to the market at $100 per share. So you're really getting a $15 bonus between those two. So that's a really great way to, if you have that available to you, I always recommend participating in the ESPP. The difference between that and an RSU is an RSU is essentially a, a gift of employee stock, right? So 
you're able to be gifted that employee stock and then you could do what you want with it. It typically has a vesting period where you have to maybe wait. It might be vested over a four year period while an ESPP you could use right when you have it available. But that's really the difference between the two is that the ESPP you get at a discount and the RSU you're just given that share of stock. Mm, good question. Good question. Yeah, I think that's a very good question to ask um, because I don't know much about that. <laughs> and we have Ryan here with us. So definitely ask more questions like that, y'all. If you have any additional questions that you may ask, uh, I have one as well. Uh, and then, oh, she responded. She said, perfect. Thank you so much for explaining that. Uh, and also remember that, especially if you're on YouTube, if you go into the description below, you can also book a complimentary uh, session with Ryan where he could discuss more of what you're looking to do and he will be able to help you on an individual level uh and so that that is an option below for sure for you to take advantage of now let me ask you this because we we kind of hinted about it a little bit more in, re in regards to tech sales professionals a lot of people that i know are now getting into the field they have their base salary with there's something they're, they're used to but now they're getting commissions on top of that how would a person What's the best way to utilize that commission? I know it's like you know specific situations for everybody, but in general, what are some people? What are some things people should look out for when it comes to commissions on a tax level, or ways to even make the best use of that? Great question. Great question. My thought philosophy, my thought process behind the commission structure is, when it comes to your own budget, you want to live off your base salary, right? Because especially mm. where times are at right now, not yeah. everyone's hitting their OTE just based on where the market is. So you want to live mostly on your base salary and maybe use commissions for either investing, right? If you're looking to save for a down payment, get a head start on that or use the commission on something a little more out of the range of your normal expenses, right? Like vacation, something along those lines, or split between the two. That's what I do with most of my clients is help them create a plan to split it between their longer term goals and then shorter term goals for them to actually enjoy their life today. When it comes to the taxation on commissions, is it's gonna be taxed just as your ordinary income. The thing is, is that commissions are typically withheld at a higher rate. So mm. essentially that's typically seen about 40% withholding, but if you're only being taxed at 20 to 25%, you're going to get some money back at tax time for the most part. Right. Okay. And the reason behind that is essentially your commission, it, the IRS is extrapolating that payment out as if you were to get that the whole year. So I'll give you an example right here. Let's say you make $120,000 base each month, right? So that's my apologies, $10,000 base each month. So $120 per year. Say you got a $20 monthly commission on top of that. Well, that's going to be withheld. Like you're making $360,000 per year because 20 plus 10 multiplied out times 12 months out of the year. So you're mm. really being withheld at a higher rate, but oftentimes you'll get that money back in April at tax time. Oh, wow. 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 So that's something, so that's something that to keep in mind, then I'm going to ask you this in regards to tech sales professionals. I know you kind of, we kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. Um, and then 
I'm looking at the comment section right now, and she's like, "Wow, shaking my head, crazy." Yeah, it it, it is. Um, however, there are certain advantages that tech sales professionals or even tech professionals in general may not be privy to. What are some of the advantages that they could take advantage, they they could utilize for the benefit of their financial future? So there's a, there's a few benefits. The biggest one is when you do when you are offered equity compensation there it's a huge advantage i have a client i'm working with right now he makes about 110 dollars per year as out of marketing professional at apple and on top of that he gets what are called rsus that's what i mentioned earlier and that's thirty thousand dollars per year almost a bonus income on wow. top of his normal salary because apple stock's been doing well things along those lines. There's tons of equity compensation, especially at the public companies to take advantage of. And even if you're at a private or pre IPO company, if that company does IPO, it's the IPO is an initial public offering. You have equity compensation. And if that does well, you can make tons of money. I've seen people become millionaires through mm. IPOs. That's mm. really the the best resource that you have as a tech professional is equity compensation. But there's also tons of other perks that are non-monetary, right? You're able yeah. to work from home. You have a more relaxed office space. You don't have to go out and wear a suit every day to work for the most part. There's tons of advantages to the tech industry. And that's why I love working with those professionals. Yeah. So listen, y'all, I can keep asking questions because I got tons of questions, but I want to make sure you're heard. So go ahead and put your questions in the chat. If you want, you could go ahead and call in. I put the call in link in there as well for you. So I got a question in regards to the same the same idea. I don't know if you could ask this question or answer this question. I should say, I, I don't know if this is something that you can answer, but how would a tech professional evaluate or go about evaluating if a company is a company that could possibly like you say, pre-IPO, this is a good opportunity for you. What are the things that they should be looking for when selecting a company like that? So when selecting working for a company, it's, it's a difficult situation, right? There's different rounds of funding. Um, there's different seeds, so to speak. So when you're in your A share, that's when you're pretty much closest to being able to be in the funding scenario, but it really depends on the scenario. Typically, when you're at a startup, you might be paid more than a public company. There's everything's really a balance when it comes to financial planning and what, when it comes to working for these companies, right? Smaller startups, they might pay you more and there might be a higher payoff if they do go public. But the more established startups, it's a more likelihood of you being paid out, right? Because if it does become public, it's already further on with the funding. Hmm. Mm. So, I'm. I'm, and I, I know it's, it's. It's. It's like you said. It's a very. It's very unique. Because I'm thinking about the different forms. Uh, we we hear seed form. We hear Series A, B, C, D. Right? Is it possible for you to break that down for people so that people have an understanding when they look at a company? They might look at Glassdoor, RepView. What does the, the, those seeds really mean? I mean, I know they mean the, the stages of funding that they have, but could you talk a little bit about that and what that, how that could help them decide like, oh, what, what's happening with this particular company might be something good to look at. Yep. So essentially when you start out, you're a seed company, right? Yeah. It's basically you don't have much funding yet. It's typically coming from family and friends, things along the, those lines from the startup. Then you move to series A 
once you hit a certain amount of funding. And then it moves to Series B, Series C, and continues on. So the higher it goes on, so the further along in the alphabet, so to speak, the closer you are typically to your IPO. So, right, Series A, like I mentioned earlier, is better than seed funding. But once you keep going along that kind of alphabetical order, you're going to be closer to an IPO. So it's going to be a, a more steady company to work for. There's most likely going to be less frequent layoffs. That's another thing to think about. Early hmm. on, there you might be more likely to be laid off versus in a Series C company. And then once you're a public company, that's when the equity compensation is really, really great. Like I mentioned earlier, Apple, that one individual who's getting over $30,000 per year in RSUs, he's able to get that because Apple is a public company. I've worked for many clients at private companies. For One great example in the industry, it's pretty well known, is Gong. And the, the people there, they have equity compensation, they have incentive stock options. But if they exercise them, they're not able to sell because it's not a public company yet. So I've seen some scenarios in that case where someone exercises option, meaning that they essentially have the right to buy. And what happens is that they have to pay taxes, but they can't sell the stock. So mm. they owe a ton of money at tax time, but have no money to, to pay for it with. Ooh. And you can help them avoid that, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, you're, uh, Ryan, your stock is rising on this channel. Uh, <laughs> people that are listening in, they're like, oh, okay, I got to talk to Ryan very soon uh, <laughs> so I can avoid some things that might be a pitfall for me. Let's talk about estate planning real quickly. Um, I'm mm-hmm. looking at the time. I'm very mindful of your time, so I won't keep I won't keep you here longer than you need to be. Uh, but estate planning, that's something that, if I have to be honest, in the black and brown community, we're, we're not really as... Uh, big on that like we we may know about insurance getting like term insurance maybe or even whole whole life um i know we had a conversation about that already and, and where you stand and i pretty much stand the same place but when it comes to estate planning can you talk about the importance of estate planning for those that may not have an idea of really what that is yep so estate planning all that means is, is what happens if you were to die it's really important if you have kids in most particular And a few tips when it comes to estate planning is always leave beneficiaries, right? If you have a 401k, you can leave both the primary beneficiary, that's who the money were to go to first if you were to die. For many people, it's a spouse or a family member. And then there's also contingent beneficiaries. So that's if you and that first person both pass away or that first primary beneficiary predeceases you, who the money were to go to in that case, right? And essentially what this does, if when you leave a beneficiary is avoid something called probate probate Mm. is if you don't have beneficiaries on your accounts, your family member has to go to court, has to spend a bunch of money, sometimes thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in order to get what rightfully is theirs. No bueno. But uh, we've seen in some cases where the, the state takes it, things along those lines. So you want to make sure that any of your family members, any of your loved ones are taken care of if you were to pass away. Leave beneficiary, leave them as beneficiaries on your account. And it's not just 401ks, right? You could do yeah. this on your bank account. You could do this on a, a brokerage, a taxable account at Charles Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard or wherever you hold that. 
yeah. you just want to make sure your loved ones are taken care of it, that anything were to happen to you. Yeah. I want to go to the comment section real quickly. because I think that's very good to kind of just highlight this. Uh, first of all, she, she says, so I just started my first tech sales job. We'll need to connect because I have no idea where to begin. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation because like I said earlier, a lot of us are making that transition into this industry and we're getting, we're getting a base pay, which we're used to, right? Base salary, but that commissions, those, those other aspects of the compensation package, we're not too privy to. And we're kind of trying to figure our way out. So I wanted to have this conversation for, for people just like you, uh, teacher. Um, definitely wanted to have these conversations. And you actually pointed it out. My mother just went through that with my grandfather. Um, so so like, like, like this conversation is making us all realize we need to have better financial planning. But somebody might say, hey, you know what? Um, you said I, for the state planning, I could get a lawyer. Um, you said that you don't do my taxes. Uh, could I just get my advice from somebody else? Like, like, come on, come on, tax preparer, help me with this stuff. But I want you to kind of say it again for those that are now tuning in: the importance of having a financial planner versus just kind of having multiple people do different things. You're kind of the person that puts it all together, right? In exactly. my opinion, can you talk? Can you dive in a little bit deeper about that? Because I want people to understand. And even if you have a uh, Ryan, and even if you have like a either a hypothetical situation. Or somebody that you know of uh, that you, of course, we're not going to use names, but a story that you could tell to kind of give like a cautionary tale for those who like thinking like financial planning is not a big deal to have. Can you talk about that? Got it. Got it. So the best analogy I think out there is that a financial planner is, is like a quarterback, right? So there's all the different positions. There's CPAs, there's state planning insurance attorneys, there's insurance agents, there's all the different areas that you might need help with. What we do is we help make sure that you're linked up to those people and make sure that actually gets done, right? Because, mm. because for a lot of people, we get busy, right? Especially people in the tech industry or tech sales is that you have family events, you have work, you have all the fun stuff that comes along with not working, right? You, it's really not fun to do this stuff, but what I'm here is I'm gonna make sure that you get it done. That's what financial planners in general do is they make sure all this stuff is covered and then they make sure that it's aligned with your own goals as well. So what's most important about a financial planner is when working with them is that they're kind of on you. And just some examples I've seen where it's gone wrong is there's actually many, many different reasons. But one area is that someone left a, a trust as a beneficiary for a retirement account, right? Trusts are great to set up. They can essentially allow you to put your money where you want. So for example, what a trust can do is it can say, Hey, I have two little kids. I want them to have the money, but maybe not right when they turn 18, because what, what are your 18 year old kids going to do when they inherit uh, $500,000, right? They're going to buy a Lamborghini and do all the fun stuff. But a trust could say, Hey, let's wait until they're out of college. Let's wait until they're 25 years old. So what some people will do is they'll leave a trust as a beneficiary of their 401k or IRA, which sounds great, right? The money's going to follow wh what I said. But the thing is, trusts get taxed at higher rates, right? Mm. It might get taxed at 30% plus or 40% plus, while an individual would only be taxed at that same income level, maybe 20%. So 
you're saving a lot of money by not leaving a trust as a beneficiary, but most people just aren't aware of that. It, it becomes a very convoluted situation. So it's mm. really best to work with a financial planner and more specifically a certified financial planner when it comes to all these details, right? Because a CPA might be able to reduce your taxes this year. Your state planning attorney might be able to create that trust, but he's not going to say, hey, you don't want to leave that as a beneficiary. Mm. There are tons of situations like that where I've mm. seen I've seen people have high tax rates, things along those lines. And when you get hit with a $10,000 tax bill in April, you want to make sure you have a plan for that. Wow. I'm going to let that sit for a little bit because I think that, um, again, a lot of us are not privy to, to this. You mentioned the trust and we're like, some of us may know of a trust. Some of may know about buying, using a trust to buy property, right? Mm -hmm. Having property in your own name, but just the full extent. Let's talk about a trust real quickly. Before I do that, I'm going to go to the comment section real quickly because Scott said something that I think was, uh, you know, very good for, for him to say is that my brother Joseph always providing life and altering gain to the community. And that's what this is all about. You know, you know, this is all about providing, op providing an opportunity to talk to somebody that does this for a living. I mean, how many years have you been doing this? I was trying to. I was trying to count, like it was almost like nine years or something like that you were working in this Yeah, group. yeah. So I started in the industry about five, five, maybe six years ago. Okay, six years ago. Yeah. But like you said, that experience you had with your grandfather kind of gave you an informal education even prior to what you're doing right now. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's that's great. So let me, let me, I'm going to wrap it up real quickly, guys. If you have a question, now is your time uh, because he has to catch a flight. So that's why I'm a little bit more on top of time today, y'all. But go ahead, put your question in the chat. I'm basically giving you a time to go ahead and put your question in the chat or jump on the call. Uh, again, he doesn't have a lot of time, so we want to be mindful of that. But if you could get a question in, I'll try to squeeze in. But I'm going to go to that trust. Can you talk about the importance of having a trust? Uh, you kind of you kind of talked about it a little bit just now, but because some people might be like, why do I need a trust? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I think I've, 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 people in my family never had a trust. You know, we, what's the importance of it? Can you dive into that a little bit? Yep. So not, not everyone needs a trust. That's one thing I want to make sure that, that everyone's aware of. If you have a simple scenario, if you don't have any kids or anything along those lines, or if you don't have anything in particular you want to happen when you pass away, you just leave beneficiaries on all your account. You can make sure that your, your home is going to the right person when you were to pass away. But when you do need a trust is typically, especially when you have kids, that's the number one kind of life altering area is when you have kids, right? Because you wanna make sure that the money is going to them if anything were to happen to you and yeah. that they're taken care of. And not just a trust and another important area of estate planning that I, I didn't mention so far is making sure your kids have guardians, right? Do you mm. want the state? Do you want the state here in Los Angeles, the state of California, to pick um, your sister who you may not really like, or mm. do you want to do you want to designate a certain person that you know is responsible, right, to take care of the kids? And one thing when it comes to a trust is it essentially just says, okay, let's avoid probate if I were to pass away when it comes to the house, when it comes to all my different bank accounts, things along those lines and all my brokerage accounts, let's avoid that probate process, right? So they don't, your family member doesn't have to spend a bunch of money. And then you could also put a little more rules when it comes to using a trust, right? If you have a special needs child, um, you can make sure that they're taken care of, right? What about pets? Can I see it in the comment section? 
pets, that is something you could also specify as well in the trust. It's right. You can't really leave a, a pet as a beneficiary as a, for your retirement account, but you can stipulate. I've worked with clients who want to stipulate that their cats are taken care of for five years after they die. And that's what you're able to help do throughout a trust using the estate planning attorney. Mm, wow. Yeah, listen, y'all. I'm going to the comment section real quickly because, uh, like, like uh, teacher said, she's on it today. She's like, I want to learn more about trust. Uh, if you want to learn more about trust, you might have to reach out to to Ryan directly for sure. His uh, his Calendly link is in the description as well as his LinkedIn page. Uh, and she's like, um, she's talking about her dog, and so that's why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then she said, oh, "Wow, that's good to know uh, in regards to what you said." And so I want to just say thank you to Ryan right now for being on the show. Uh, again, normally we kind of have these longer conversations uh, with our guests, but I have to be mindful of his time. He has to catch a flight very soon. So I want to definitely be considerate of that. Uh, Ryan, they can reach out to you on LinkedIn, of course. I have your link in the description and they could go ahead and book a consultation with you. Now, just to give them an idea, what would they be able to, in that time that they have that consultation with you, what are some things that you'll go over with them so they could kind of have an idea? Yep. So the consultation is really just a 15 minute get to know each other meeting where you're able to ask within that 15 minutes, any questions you'd like, right? Any, whether it's in regards to trust, whether it's in regards to investments, whether it's regards to your tax situation, I do it completely complimentary just to see if we'd be a good fit to work together. And then if we are a good fit, we have a two meeting process where I take a look at all your account documents, things along those lines see where you're standing at right now, see what your goals are and during a discovery meeting. And then if we want to move on to a follow-up meeting, great. Both of these are completely complimentary as well. I'd present a financial plan. And if you'd like to work with me, great. If not, if you'd rather do it on your own, that's also okay. So really we provide all three of these meetings completely complimentary. That first initial 15 minute chat is just for you to ask any questions you might have and see if we might be a good fit. Yeah, and that's where I, that's where we met. Ryan reached out to mm -hmm. me, and I uh, had a fifty minute uh, consultation with him. And I said, "Oh, I got, I got to bring you on the show." <laughs> so, so that's why I was like, you know, cause I like to try to uh, learn as well as you know when it comes to the show, really kind of talk to people first and kind of get a sense of them. And and I think Ryan, you're a great guy from the conversation that we had, and you, and most specifically, you are here to help. You're not really here to take advantage of people or anything like that. You want to prepare them for the future. So. Go ahead and connect with Ryan. It's his link is in the description below for his LinkedIn. And also, if you want to go ahead and book a consultation with him. Uh, thank you so much. Safe travels as you go. And before we go, I do have one more video from our sponsor. And uh, But thank you all for locking in with us. If you are new to the channel, I'm going to say this again. If you went from LinkedIn and you came on over, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Like for those that are vets here, <laughs> the Scots, the Mitches, they've been here for a while. They already know. Uh, but there's a lot of value on this channel. And it's all for you to learn and decide if the tech industry is right for you, whether that's going to be a UN, UI, UX, whether it's be actually in tech sales, the SDR, BDR, AE, if that actually is going to be in you know, customer success or sales engineering. That's all here in this channel dedicated for you to learn more of. So thank you so much, y'all. And like I always say, family, as we are going to close out with this uh, one more video from my spot for one of the sponsors that I hope to see you on the other side. Take care, family. Hey, I didn't forget about you. 
you're a person that needs to be in a place where you are working close with someone else, a mentor, a friend, someone that could take you to the deeper and more intricate parts about being a sales engineer, but you don't know where to go. Learnful is a program that allows you to work with people that are high ranking sales engineers, solution architects, solutions advisors, and they're able to not only mentor you, but teach you the ways to become a sales engineer that can be impactful for you. If you think that Learnful is for you, go ahead and click on the link below for more information. You can use my promo code Joseph150 to be able to save. Go ahead and click the link below and now back to our show.